nothing else, Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Bless you, Lord. Amen. I want to give an option, an opportunity. Is there anybody here before we get into the Word that needs prayer this morning? Like while we were worshiping, the Lord had ministered to me, and I need prayer. I need prayer. I need you to pray for me. Okay. Julie, I'm going to ask for you to come up. I'm going to ask a few of the ladies to come up and pray for you. You know, sometimes when you're worshiping, the Lord does something. He's doing something very amazing. So before we move any further, sometimes you sense something in that moment that you didn't any other time. We're going to ask the ladies to pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Julia, if you wouldn't mind sharing with them what it is that you want for them to pray for. Okay, so she's been suffering pain in her legs. Let's just pray right now. Church, do you believe God's going to do miracles just because he does it? Amen. Father, right now for our sister Julia, Father, we lift our hands and we just believe, Lord, right now, you will fulfill every bit of what you've said. What's impossible for man is possible with God. Right now, Jesus, whatever, where all the cause of this pain in her leg, Lord, elsewhere in her body, we rebuke it in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, Father. Lord, I don't know. We don't know all the reasons for but we know this, that your name is our authority. And in the name of Jesus, we renounce this pain over her body. In Jesus' name. We give you praise, Lord. We give you praise for miracles, Lord. We give you praise for what you're doing right now. You're amazing, Jesus. Lord, you're doing it, Lord. We just trust you for it. You're doing it, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Church, let's give him praise because he's going to do some amazing things. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Jesus is so good. Amen. Well, sister, just expect the Lord to do something amazing in that leg of yours. <laughs> Amen. I don't know. Can I go to this lapel mic? Am I there? Yeah, I think I'm there. Tell me if you, in, anybody in, yes. Amen. 
Amen. Yep. He's the author and the finisher. He's the one that gave us life and breath. He's going to keep doing it. He that began a good work will finish it, will perform it until the day of Jesus. Amen. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1, verse 10, if you would, please. Now, I know that's not the scripture up there, but we will get to the scripture that's up there, I'm telling you. You know, I was, I was debating what I wanted for as a title to this message, but I think this is the right title. We'll work for free. I want you to get the idea of somebody standing on the street corner holding up a sign that says, I will work for food. Well, no, we will work for free. You'll understand as I get a little bit further what I'm talking about here. Amen? So, Colossians chapter 1. Verse 10. There's a little bit of a running theme, and I, I'm, you know, I was amazed because, you know, we talked about doing good and to whom that is for, and all that last week. And I was just so grateful for that. And then coming into just this week, what happened in Wallawa, and it's, I think, God setting down the groundwork and the word that He's wanting to give us for what we're looking at. He's giving us something specific in life. And I can't get away from this because I feel like there's the heart of God in it. So let's look in Colossians chapter 1, verse 10. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. So God wants us to be fruitful in every good work. We see this. And it's fully pleasing to Him. When we're his children, you know, this is a difference is, is that your relationship with God defines really the light, what you do with your life. And so the fact that I'm right with him, that I'm a child of God changes this whole thing. And it means the child of God is working from out of that relationship because I love the Lord, because I know him. I'm working out of that relationship. Everything you do, Everything you do is tied back to how you relate with God, one way or another. And if we're relating well with the Lord in your quiet time, in your time alone with Him, your character in person alone with Jesus, when that's right, then what you do is precious. What you put your hands to, the people you minister to, that's precious. There isn't anything that's more golden and wonderful than the kind of work that you do. So, As a child of God, there should be nobody more that's more fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Interestingly, I think that as we work, as we labor to minister to the people around us, as the Lord leads us, can I say it that way? The Lord leads us to minister to the people around us. That we become more knowledgeable of Him in that. We learn something about the Lord. And it's an intimate knowledge. You know, and I think that sometimes that intimate knowledge hits me in different ways. Some of you have felt that already this morning. Is that sometimes it's an inner feeling that I can't get over. I can't put it in words, but man, I feel it inside. Sometimes I can't help but feel like there's an overflow with tears that follow. Sometimes it's just this I can't hardly breathe in the sense and the atmosphere of what I feel like God is putting in me. But no matter what it is, it's the fact that I'm gaining a deeper knowledge of Him. And it's spirit to spirit. It's spirit to spirit. How do you know it? I can't tell you that some preacher taught it to me. I can't tell you that I got it just from reading. But there was some connection with my spirit, with God's 
with God through His Word that made me aware of it. I just want to remember kind of how God paints this picture for us. Deep love is expressed in doing much good. Deep love is expressed in doing much good. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Let us consider one another to stir up love and good works. You know, we got in here this morning and we thought about the many things that we do and all of that. And I have gone through years of time in my life working on my job feeling like this isn't it for me. This just isn't it for me. And I believe because you've been born of God that there's something that the Spirit of God has deposited in you that says, I will work, I will support my home, I will do whatever I need to do that way. But there's something deeper that God placed inside of me. And I know it. I know it. it's not just a calling to be a preacher. I know it's not just a calling to be at a pulpit. There is something deeper than that. And so in this, we're just getting to know God. We're stirring up love. Just stir it up. Look forward to your next opportunity. I love praying, Lord, you know what the next situation, the next opportunity for me, you're inviting me into. You know, I'm not going to be able to minister to everybody, but I can minister to that one person. And it's amazing how if you just surrender your life to the Lord, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Surrender your life to Jesus. You're like, Lord, you lead me, don't you? Like, I didn't expect to be here today. I wasn't planning on it. My car broke down in the unexpected place. But I was here, and so amazingly, I, I needed all of these events to take place so I could be with this person at this time. Yeah. Yeah. Some of those people right now might be here with you right now. You're, and it's going to be a few moments, and the Holy Spirit's going to lay somebody on your heart, and you're like, I haven't talked to them. I haven't got to know you, but I'm going to now. Because I feel the Holy Spirit moving my heart to, to reach out to you. I don't know why, but I'm going to know that here in a little while. And you just kind of step out on the water and you see what God's going to do through that. But deep love, as you get to be a part of somebody's life on a deeper level, you feel that in your heart. I want to share four points with this that I think are really important just to consider about stirring up love and good works. One is this, the heartbeat of our faith is inspired through helping our neighbors. It's the heartbeat of our faith, giving to strangers and bearing the burdens of the broken. See, even in your own brokenness, you can be amazed at how much the Lord can move you beyond just your own sorrows and into somebody else's life. But that's the heartbeat of our faith. That's part of the joy of it. I can't imagine trying to love without expression, without an opportunity, without a person to just pour it out on one way or the other. Number two, love is easily stirred through selfless deeds. See, it's easy to stir it when there's selfless deeds. And the proclamation of the gospel is best received by the care we give to honor it. So you want the gospel to be known in this community? I do too. You want others to hear what God wants for them to know in their life? You want a life that's on its highway to uh, eternity without God? You want that to be completely revolved and turned around? You want that to be changed? So do I. Because you want that, I want that. God wants that. He created us for that very reason. That when you, through selfless deeds show and behave and honor the Gospel. Honor what you proclaim. Honor what you say. There's no better way than to preach the Gospel through the goodness of your life. Sometimes through the sacrifice of, I'm not going to get because I gave to somebody else. And sometimes God just lets us have those sacrifices 
Because the pleasure of love and the deepness of what Jesus is revealing into us is more and more through being there and present in somebody's life. One of those situations for me, I didn't have this on my notes, but I want to share this time. I remember being in company with a man who he was drunk at the time. And I could see just this weight on his life that he wanted to get out of the alcoholism. And I, I had questioned, why am I here? What am I really good for? He's drunk, he probably doesn't understand half of what I say. But I realized something, that Jesus was there too. Jesus has been there in all those moments where he hasn't even been paying attention. He hasn't been seeing. The Lord's heart, broken heart and his love and sacrifice were meant for him. And yet there's yet a day to be revealed in that man's life where he comes to the realization of how powerful Jesus really is. How good Jesus really is. And when he comes to that point in his life, there, it will be easy to let go of alcohol. It will be easy to give up the habit and, and the alcoholism and all the things that his spirit is tied to, he's now ready to. And see, the thing is, is that I'm looking in his life thinking, the love of God is being stirred. And I remember this event, that after I left his house, I was staying with somebody else, some friends of ours. And that morning, I woke up with that man on my heart. The burden was on my heart, and I couldn't get over it. And I sat there just, I think it was a banana that I was eating. I don't know what else I was having for breakfast that morning, because the breakfast didn't matter that much. But I remember sitting there, and uh, the man, um, my friend and his wife were there at the time. And my spirit just kept getting stirred with this solemnness and this feeling of like, I want to see this man saved. I want to know him to be delivered from this. And I feel like it's not just James's heart. I feel like it's Jesus's heart getting into James. And because I was there, I was able to see the horrific uh, look of what it looked like for this man to be on the side needing Jesus. See, it stirred up the love of God in me. It stirred up something in me. And I remember when it came to its final close, I was kneeling down on the floor in him and his chair, and I was crying and weeping between his legs. And he wasn't the man that I was praying for. He was just there to watch me bleed in my heart for somebody else. You see, there's never been a love like that in my life. There's never been anywhere where I captured the depths of love as it was in those moments. And what I feel like God is, He's just looking for you. He's looking for me to be available. Lord, I don't know when. I don't know if you could use me in such a way, but those prayers are stirred up in me. Can I tell you that I know what's happened to Him? I don't know. But I do know this, that there isn't a tear that's wasted with God. There's never a tear that's wasted for God. I believe when we go to Wallow and we see the many things that you can't put your hands on, there's limitation. Your limitations will never meet the demand out there. But the reality is, is that that's not our first focus. Our first focus is, Lord, I want to capture what heaven is trying to pour down into the spirit of the people that are serving others. It's a beautiful thing. Here's the third point. The more good you do, the more good others will want to do. It's hard for evil to prevail when the atmosphere is that of good works. You know, when we're doing good, it's hard for people to tell you the, the Christians are hypocrites. You know, the church just isn't much of anything today. They're not showing anything. There's nothing on display. So, you know, there can't be very much accusation on you or about you when you're partaking in Jesus' lifestyle. You're living like Jesus. What can they say that would be evil? And if they do, uh, very little of it can actually prevail. 
Lastly, the temptation to sin and compromise is best subdued by living out our faith. And a great part of that has to do with the good that comes out of you. See, when we're living, when we're doing what we know we need to do, when we're just pursuing with all of our heart the direction we're supposed to go, it's not hard to figure out why do I not feel like sinning anymore? Why does it feel like there's just not a temptation getting in my corner of life anymore? It's simply because you made your heart's pursuit and you got so fired up about it, you got so focused in on it that you couldn't help forget everything that was behind. Remember the words of the Apostle who said, forgetting the things that are behind and reaching forward to the things that are before me. I press toward the mark of the high call of God in Christ Jesus. I'm constantly moving in the direction that God wants me to be. And those words are an encouragement. They're an inspiration for the Christian today that says, I'm leaving everything behind. My old life is left behind and I'm not tampering with it. I'm going forward with Jesus. And you know, whenever we get kind of blindsided, we're just supposed to go right back there. Will, brother, thank you for that song. That song was so perfect on what we need in our life is I might be off, I might be limping along, but I need to remember, go back to the cross, go back to the blood, go back to the Savior. He's ready to forgive afresh. He's ready to start it all new with you. But Lord, I don't have any reason why you should do that. I've failed. Who cares? Just find out if the blood is good enough for you again today. See, this is the power of the forgiveness of Jesus because it's His Spirit bearing witness with our spirit. Isn't that awesome? His Spirit, the Spirit of God, speaks to our spirit. And then we have this release of guilt. We have this shame that's gone. And it's how did that go away? Because His Spirit made it real to you. And you can't get rid of it any other way. It's attached to you. It's locked on. It's as stuck, stuck to you as your skin is. But when the Spirit of God comes in, right? I love, I love it in, in the, I can't even remember, I think it's in Isaiah, it says, that we're like leopards and our skin and our spots are just stuck to us, you know? And the reality is, is that He's the only one that can change the leopard spots. He's the only one that can do it. And He can do it over and over and over again. Amen? Let's go to a scripture in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. Thank you, Jesus. You're the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Matthew 5, verse 14 through 16. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light. What is your light? According to this verse, what is our light? Our light is the good works. And, and let them see your good works. You know, that was almost opposite what Jesus said at one time. Why is in one sense Jesus says, don't do it. You do all this for to be seen of men. And then in another sense, he says, let them see it. There's a whole different context from one to the other. The one is, Jesus, this is all about you. I'm not looking for recognition. I'm not looking for praise. I'm not looking for honor. I'm just looking to glorify you. Magnify you, Lord. 
They want to give me money? That doesn't matter to me. They want to give me praise? That doesn't matter to me. I want you to get the praise. And keep pushing in that direction. And when you have Jesus as the focal point of everything you're doing, you can be on display and it's not going to be ruinous and tra traumatic in how you look at yourself. You're not going to look at yourself through the glaze of humanity. You're going to keep remembering that Jesus and the cross is what gives me light in life. And every time you do that, there isn't anything you're doing that's promoting yourself through it. It's just promoting Jesus. So he's like, now show men the good works that the glory that, and glorify your heavenly Father. Glorify Him. Lord, help us today to be about your business in that way. It's awesome. Let your light so shine. You know, I wonder if we thought about this, that when we stop doing the good works that are tied to our love for Jesus, when we get all bound up by this life, that we just decided to turn the light off. The world doesn't get to see a light. Our families don't get to see the light until you decide to go back to doing the work that Jesus said. You know, interestingly, in Revelation, he said to go back to your first works. He said to go back to the first works. See, the church has gotten so consumed about trying to keep from having good works as the premise of our salvation that we forgot that good works is involved in the work of salvation. See, Jesus saved you. What's that mean? Jesus did something so dramatic in my life that now the expression, so now it's an expression. So we forgot to go back and re-preach the gospel that good works is an expression of your love for God. It's not a matter of whether you get saved by them or not. It is an expression of it. When you fell in love, come on, men, you know what I'm talking about, ladies. When you fell in love, there was a whole new expression that came down. You were a whole different person. You gave your time. You gave of your sleepless, like you had sleepless nights because you're dreaming about that beautiful woman of yours, right? You couldn't get her off your mind. And you can't, and every day you're working and you can't wait to get off work because you want to be with her. And I think this is the same idea. Lord, this is how I can express. My love to Jesus. There you are in just regular clothes. Lord, there you are painted with a mother and your children. Just Jesus right there. There's Jesus right there. I want to share this because I think this is so, so important. Giving is meant to be an expression of freedom. <clears throat> Giving is meant to be an expression of freedom. Now I have, since I preached that message on freedom, I have undergone some struggles with that because I realize you can say one thing, but it's another thing for it to truly have the definition in your life. I'm going to share with you a little bit more kind of some of those thoughts behind it, but I just want to share a few thoughts. Jesus said something. This penetrated me as I thought about this. Jesus made this statement, I lay it down of myself. I lay it down of myself. John 10 Verse 17. Go ahead and turn there, please. I want you to read this. This is, this is the heart of this whole thing. You know, see, now I told you I was going to get to that scripture up there. There you go. There you go. John chapter 10, verse 17. <clears throat> So verse 17, therefore my father, uh, let's see, I think I'm, yeah, therefore my father loves me 
because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. Now, if we put it into perspective, could Jesus have chosen not to lay his life down? Could Jesus have decided, you know, whatever, for whatever reason, humanity wasn't worth the price? You know, I can't answer that question. But I suppose that if freedom were really at work, he could have. And I think what we're re- realizing is, is that Jesus chose, freely chose, Whatever pressures were laid upon him, they weren't the motivator factor behind his choosing to lay down his life for you, for me, for all that he he chose out of that. So he knew he would have made this sacrifice simply because that was his freedom to make the choice to do it. And he did. Now, I don't know a whole lot here, but I just see what Jesus said. And I think that's the heartbeat of giving. Because see, every gift we give and everything we do should come from the gospel as its center. So the more I thought about this, the deeper it kind of hit me. So here's a thought. I first, when I put this down, I put freedom as free of obligation. And I switched that and I said freedom is not free of obligation. You hear this saying, I don't have to do it if I don't want to. And that might be true. But that doesn't mean that you're not obligated to do what's right. See, obligation is something that's just painted in the moral rule of life. God created us with the sense that we are ought to do what's right, even if we don't feel like it, even if we don't want to. But the more I started thinking about freedom and the heart of the gospel, the more I realized the complexity of this whole thing. Because even though I ought to, and even though I should, It doesn't give me the release of freedom yet. That's what the complication hit me was I was thinking about this. So there's an obligation here. There is a moral rule or law in place. Can't explain, just know it's there. That makes it necessary irrespective of one's desire to do it. But here's the thought. God never intended for obligation to be a burden. Not moral obligation. God never intended it to be a burden. The searchlight of our conscience ends at the point of obligation. So once you figure out what is it that I'm supposed to do, what is the right thing to do in this scenario, and you know we have lots of situations in life, but what am I supposed to do? Your conscience will never give you rest until, one, you figured that out, and the the other one is until you finally... uh, until you finally... um, let me figure I was right in here. Properly executed that obligation. You can't get away from it. So we're like, well, freedom is free of obligation. False. That's false. It has to be. That I am obligated to do something. I am obligated to do something that's right. I am obligated to do the very best of whatever that is. So I don't feel restful until I've figured out what that is and I've finally fully executed it. So that having been said, I want you to read in James chapter 4, verse 17. Go ahead and go there. While you're turning, you can give me an amen. We got any amens out there? 
See, if this room grows completely dark and I can't see anything, I just want to know that through, through the message of the sound of your voice that you're still there, okay? <laughs> okay, are you guys there? Shout out, shout out amen if you got there. Amen. You guys were doing it a little bit louder in the praise time, right? Just <laughs> James chapter 4, verse 17. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. You know, he doesn't make an exception for the Christian either. Just, just to let you know. To him it is sin. To know to do good. To know what is the obligation. Listen to the words of James again when he says, He that sees his brother in need and shuts up his bowels of compassion, how does the love of God dwell in him? Wow. We're like, Lord, like I just want to know your love. we got some songs out there. I mean, we got some love songs for Jesus out there so we can sing as many. But it's amazing. You can sing every single one of them and not have the love of God. But you can't follow this and miss the love of God with it. So conscience also imposes something else. So it imposes the sense of the requirement to do what's right and wrong, but it also imposes another sense of guilt on one other area, and that's this, on our motives. Why do you feel guilty when you do what's right, but your motives are all messed up? So there's both of these that come into this thing we call freedom. That it's not only just what I do, but it's why I do it. And God is overseeing that whole thing. Now, how do we escape this conscience, this moral conscience that goes with us wherever we go and finally get a sense of freedom in what we do through the Gospel? It's the only place. The Gospel of Jesus Christ is the only way because we find in ourselves there's this complexity. I feel like I should do this, but I can't get the desire to move in the right direction. I want to do what's right, but I don't get out there and do what's right. And you have this moral complexity constantly chasing you down. And it's the gospel. Now, what do I say this for the Christian? It's the reimbursement coming back into the relationship with Jesus through the cross. You never get away from the cross the rest of your life. You never get over into the other side of heaven and get away from the cross. It's always there. Jesus being crucified, not just for me, just, uh, for me but as me. Jesus took me on the cross. The Holy Spirit has access into my life through the cross of Jesus Christ. Lord, I'm not good enough, but the cross was. Why should you pay attention to me? What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you take knowledge of him? He's nothing but the dust of the ground. He's just flesh and blood here for a short time and then vanishes away. But why should you do that? The cross. The cross is the reason why God pays attention to man. The cross is the reason why He will get into your field even as bad as you've been, as dark as your life has been, as good as you might be. It's still the cross that makes it so that you can be receive access into the Holy of Holies and be with the Lord. See, never take for granted the cross. Never take for granted the cross in your life. So here's a few things. What I would say is giving is, when we say we can say giving is not an expression of gospel freedom. Why do I share these? Because they happen to us, but we don't think about them. 
When rewards or wages are motives for the purpose. See, that's not the heart of the Gospel. When rewards and wages are motives for the purpose. The second one is the real and perceived pressure, whether self-imposed or imposed by others, bears on our primary motive to do good. So it's that sense of pressure. Now again, here we're talking about, I know I'm supposed to do what's right, but that's not the motive for doing good. That's not the driving motive. Now, is that for Christians? A lot of them, yes. A lot of us, I would say, I've had to battle that a lot in my life because I feel like there's this pressure. (sighs) You're a minister, right? Just that word says something right there. Uh, You automatically know. You don't have to say it to me. I I automatically know. Whether you tell me that you feel that way or not, I'm like, I feel like there's a higher standard over my life. I feel like people hold me to a greater degree of expectation. I'm still human, right? But I still feel that way. There is that peace that is there. So now am I operating and being a good preacher? Being the kind of faithful minister that I ought to because I feel that pressure? Oh, I feel that pressure, all right. Yes, that comes down in many different ways. But the realization is, even with those pressures... I have to find Jesus at the end of that road. I, Lord, I need to know that you're the one that I'm doing this all about. This is about you. This can't be about the pressure. This can't be about the sense of moral obligation only. Yes, that's filtered into it. But you made a way so that I could have an escape route. So that I could do this through the gospel. Not through the fears and feelings of a natural man. Here's another thought just to put into this. This often happens when we're not doing it according to the gospel. That you get a barragement of anxious thoughts about doing good for someone, but the persistence, but are still persistent in avoiding to do it. Like I keep thinking about it, but I keep missing the mark. I keep getting away from that. That's not gospel freedom. Mental and emotional oppression of constantly feeling like no matter how much I do, it is not enough. How many of you, just by a show of hands, how many of you have been there or are there? Not, just no matter how much I do, it's just not enough. Now one is because you just see there, there's so much more than you have the ability to do, but the other piece is it feeling like you're just morally knocked down because you're not good enough. And a whole lot of people go through that. That's not the gospel freedom. That's not gospel freedom. But how do I get rid of it? Just go to Jesus. See, here's another one. Constantly anxious and overwhelmed by the idea and demand on you to do more than what is possible. See, I sat in this church with somebody not too long ago and started talking about their life and listening to them. And what I got out of the conversation was, you really feel like you got to do the impossible. you got to be more than human. you got to be more than you're capable of. you got to do more than actually God calls you to do. And see, there's, there's this element of that that lands on us. That's not the gospel freedom. Here's last. When the good you do or feel the need to do for others becomes a burden. Why is that burden there? Why do I feel like that? Now, am I saying that you won't, might not do a work out of that feeling? I'm not telling you that. But I'm going to say that you're going to have to approach the reality that the gospel is not producing that. Jesus is not producing a burden to do good for people. He loves to give you the freedom, the enjoyment of it. So when I talk about we're going back, we'll work for free. We're literally getting to that place. Lord, it's not anything but just the freedom 
of being able to express the depths of this love that's in Jesus. Remember that freedom is always at the center of what Christ is a part of. Remember, freedom is always at the center of what Christ, this freedom that I'm talking about, is at the center of what Christ is a part of. We're not talking about freedom to do whatever I want. We're talking about freedom to be able to do what God wills. I have total freedom to do that without this bias in my character or person or this limitation stopping me from being able to follow the will of God. Back to John chapter 10, verse 17. So I'm saying that freedom is at the center of what Christ is a part of. One more time. Therefore, my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. This command I have received from my Father. So we see that at the heart of what Jesus was doing, He was saying, the central piece of my laying my life down is, I have the freedom to do it. I am choosing out of complete freedom to do this. So Jesus doing it out of that freedom is inviting that into our lives too as we work for the Lord, as we live for Him. I love this saying, this phrase in the Bible. It says, freely you receive, freely give. You know, I've always had this issue. I've had a problem with the idea of I'll go and buy something from somebody, right? And I go take that and resell it at a higher price. I didn't do anything to make it a better quality. I didn't do anything to make it better. But I just sold it at a higher price because I knew the value of it when I bought it. And they might have known that too. But regardless of all of those pieces, is there's just something about that that just doesn't quite settle with me. And I think, biblically, there's some pieces to that. We won't go into that part, but I'll just say this. <clears throat> Jesus didn't sell you at a low cost and make you uh, sell it again for a higher cost. He gave it at freely, and He wants you to give it freely. You know, So when, when it's, it's available to us to do this freely, I just give it freely. My time is free. My heart is free. My opportunity to spend with you is free. And so we're like, well, how do we do this wisely? I don't know. Just pray. you know. But I'm going to say, it's free. It should be free. I'm going to work for free. I don't have any obligations on me. Now, this was a thought that came to my mind when I was working in a normal job. This is no normal job, just to let you know. Um, <clears throat> when I was working in a normal job, even the four tens, eight to five, whatever, there was something they called overtime. You know, and every guy likes overtime. And why would a guy like overtime? That's the bigger question. Because overtime means that I've got to work more. And I've already been exhausted from normal time, and now I'm just taking from the leftovers and giving of my leftover time. So what motivates a man? Money? Yeah. He gets paid time and a half or more, depending on you know the job and all those kinds of things. But... There's a key to overtime that I caught, and that is is that overtime, when it is, and it was for me, was optional. Didn't have to do it. That's why I liked overtime. Because not only am I getting the icing on the cake and the higher pay, and of course I don't like doing it for the extra work, but I like it because 
It's optional. I don't have to put in overtime. See, some of us need to be set free, not because it's optional. It's because when Jesus changes your heart, it's as good as being optional. It's as good as being optional. So when it's optional, you want to do it. You thrive in it. You're motivated for it. You love doing it. And that's what Jesus is changing in the dynamic of our hearts is. It's overtime. It's overtime. It's not because it's an option. It's because the way the Holy Spirit has given you the value for it, the love of it, it's as well as if it were. So wouldn't you love, wouldn't you love to serve your obligations, do the things that you have to do? And feel as free as if you had the option to choose not to. Just as free as if. Now, I just threw that one as a nugget in there because I think that that's huge. When I think of freedom, I'm like, what am I missing, Lord? What am I missing? Why does this get so convoluted? Why does this get to be so complicated? And it's because you don't know what it's like to be free. Jesus said, You shall know the Son, and the Son shall set you free. He said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Lord, what are we missing? We keep coming back to Him. How how come it doesn't feel like that to me? How come I'm oppressed by all these other things that don't have that gospel reality? Here's a thought. I've been praying for people to help. There's different things, you know, in this ministry. We pray for people to help. And while I was... I felt like the Lord gave me this discernment about the gospel. See, Paul writes in Romans and he says the gospel is the power of God. He says it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. That's Romans 1, 8, 1, chapter 1, verse 16. He, say, he makes this statement, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. So the gospel is the hub of all freedom. The conscience is always looking for a resting place until the heart is renewed by the gospel. The conscience is always looking for a resting place until renewed by the gospel. So Paul expresses what that renewal feels like, looks like, when he's giving this verse for us. And he's not. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. So one of the things I think about when it comes to salvation, when it comes to the things we do, here's what I want to say. There are many good things to do. Many, many good things. Part of salvation from God is revealing which ones you are responsible for and giving you rest from all others. So there are many good things to do a part, a part of salvation. I love that part. It's not the whole of it. It's part of the salvation of God is revealing which ones you are responsible for. That doesn't mean responsible without Him. It means responsible with Him. And giving you rest from all others. Okay. There are many good things to do. A part of, of the salvation of God is revealing which ones you are responsible for and giving you rest from all others. I'm not, are you writing something? <laughs> there are many good things to do. 
part of the salvation of God is revealing which ones you are responsible for and giving you rest from all others. All others. You know, ministry has shown something to me. Being a pastor, being a minister, I, I actually... I think I get a little lump in my throat when I start to refer to myself as a pastor at times because I feel like there's this a whole different world of pressure on me. And I feel that way. Not every ministry probably feels the same way I do, but this is why I need this. I need this because I need to know I'm free of certain things. The Lord has not called me or commanded me or required of it, and I'm still within the framework of what Jesus wanted me to do. You know, it's pretty, it's pretty important to remember the story of Esther. Remember this part of it. And she was providentially put into a place where she was put into the kingdom. And if you remember the scripture, it says that for such a time as this, you were placed here, right? So that's the same thing over every individual life right here present. For such a time, I'm for what though, right? Obviously not to be in the palace with a king. Not, not in that version, at least. But whatever God wanted and designed for you specifically. Now, remember the words that... Um, I'm trying to remember his name. Not Mordecai. Maybe it was. That had said to, to Esther, he said, If you do not do it, your house and you will come under judgment. And God will bring someone else along to do it. So the idea in mind is simply this, that God has commissioned me for this. This is what I will be guilty for not. The rest of it isn't. And as a church, you know, we have times where we say, hey, we've got a project that we want on. And you know what I've seen happen? I'm just going to say, I'm going to be open, but just as gentle as I can, but I've seen this happen. I've seen people... The same people do the same projects over and over again. Are you called to every single one of them? Right? Are you supposed to be on every single one of them? I think what happens is the same thing has happened to me. And this is the not gospel freedom piece of it. And it's that part of this. I know your love and compassion. You know mine. We do it often because we feel like there's a need and we're not sure if everybody else will show up. That's true. But that will never make up. You never make up the place where you belong, right? It's never going to get you where you need to be. And sometimes you might have a bigger excuse for it because you're like, well, you did it for me. We do this in our own homes a lot of times. But that's the reality is, is that Jesus didn't raise up his church to have a few do all the work. And he didn't raise up his church to have a good many to do nothing. But what you need to figure out is this. You need to figure out. You and I need to figure out. We all need to do this, okay? We all need to figure out, Lord, what do you want me? What is the pressure of the Holy Spirit calling me, pushing me, putting me into? And then forget about what everybody else may or may not be thinking after that because I'm free. I didn't give myself that freedom. You gave me that freedom. When we figure that out as a church, we're going to have the right people on the right jobs, helping the right people, ministering in the right ways, and you're not going to feel obligated or overwhelmed on any level. And I'm praying in the name of Jesus that this will be the ministry going forward. I can't make it happen. Individually, every one of us need to be just quiet before the Lord and say, God, help me know 
Lord, it's hard. When I have a heart to serve, it's hard for me to say no when I can see a good place for it. But it's not hard if I don't know, if I know you're not telling me to do that. But I, I want to gauge that. I really want to be good at it. So as a church, that's where we're going. And you know what? I'm going to feed you that because, man, I love you guys. Especially, you know, especially those of you that are serving. And you're lifting your weight. And I just watch. I watch people spiritually lift weight that Jesus isn't having them carry. And the cross wasn't meant for that. Can I say it? He wasn't meant for that. Jesus didn't do that for you. He gave you a cross so you could only carry the weight that he called for you to carry. And I'm still learning it. Believe me, nobody's more plagued. More, nobody's more trouble over this than I am. Like, I've got troubles when it comes to this. But the reality is, it's so needed. Now, I'm going to say, brothers and sisters, when you look over the field of you know, need, and Jesus said the field is white for harvest, pray for laborers to enter into that harvest. When you look over that, don't let, any, don't let any kind of bitterness get in because you feel like there should be more going on. There should be more people. Because some of that might be that they're free from that harvest field at the moment. You need to be in it, but they're free of it for the time. But there's going to be a switch day. There's going to be a switch day. And I, I just want to remind you of that. As we continue together, we love the Lord together and see what the Lord's going to do. I love what He's done in this service. God has been so good to us. Amen. Well, He's not done if you're not done. Right? He's not done if you're not done. We're gonna let we're gonna let them come up here and sing some more praise songs, worship. You can worship just as loudly. I would encourage you to give it just as that 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 much more than what we did this morning. Because we're not coming to a close of service. We're initiating further into the kingdom of God. So this is just getting better, right? So I'm going to pray. We're going to do as we normally. We're not going to have like any other clothes. If you feel like the Lord's leading you to go home, go home. But I'm saying that the Lord, if you feel like the Lord's pressing you on to just seek Him more, let's do that right now. Let's do that right now. Communion. Yes. I'm so excited about what I feel the Lord's doing right in the moment. I just see it's hidden right here. Like I can't see it. Yes. So I'm also going to open up the trays and let you come freely as the Lord ministers to your heart. You can kneel at the altar and let the Lord in. So, you know, when you turn it on water, what do you do? You just take that, that spigot and you, can, you turn it. You begin to open up the spigot and you let it turn in. Whatever you do right now, listen to me, please. Whatever you do right now, please. Open up the spigot. Turn open the faucet and let the Lord in. Don't miss your opportunity. God's got more for you. Amen? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray just so that you guys know what I'm doing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come down and, and uh, open up the trays here for you. And as the Lord is leading you both in worship and at your time, please come and partake of those elements. Jesus made the statement... This is as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. But when you do, make sure you're honoring the Lord. If there's any issues in your life, confess, repent. Let the Lord in so you can take of the elements. Father, we want to praise you right now. Jesus, Jesus. How could we be anything other than grateful right now? 
How could there not be just this overflow of this, this readiness to express over and over again how much we love our Father in heaven? Lord, you had you'd already bankrupted heaven so that we could have the best. Jesus, you already gave everything to us. You so loved the world that you gave your only begotten Son. We've been singing about the cross. Lord, we are ready to make it a deeper part of our life. Lord, would you bless this congregation right now? Lord, would you bless us in giving us a further and deeper revelation of the meaning of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ for us? Lord, let us express it with tears, emotion, and love. But help us, Lord, enter in. And God, today is, is a day just to recognize the length, the breadth, the value, the enormity of what you've done for us. Nothing else could ever replace it, Lord. Nothing could ever replace what you've done for us, Jesus. God, we just want in our little way, in our own little way, to, to let you know how amazing that is for us. So, Jesus, here we are. Help us, Lord. Help us just enter in, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.